and welcome to Keep You Posted. Today is Sunday, May 17th. My name is Hannah Trav. I'm a comedian, law student, and I'm about to be fangirling over our girl Taylor Swift tonight when she does her concert, which we will recap for you next week because I'm a huge Swiftie. Welcome to the podcast. I'm joined as always by my friend and co or my friend and producer and friend again, Ross Wiseman. Hi, Hello. buddy. Hey, I'm excited to watch a uh, long conversation between several Muppet performers uh, to see if the question I submitted gets asked. Is that tonight? Uh, it already aired. I missed it. So I'm oh. waiting for them to send me a link to the recast. What? Wait, so you... Um, I have so many questions about what you just said. Muppets? Yes. You know, you know that I'm a Muppet. No, I know. I was, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what you just said. The Muppets are going to answer your question? So um, some of the legendary performers that have performed with the Muppets for decades um, mm -hmm. and who worked with Jim Henson, it was recently, uh, I think yesterday was the 30th anniversary of Jim Henson's death. So they like did a talk back. Oh, no, I think it's great you love the Muppets. I feel like I should love the Muppets more when I talk yeah, to you about I'll it. I'll give you 9 million recommendations. Okay, and I will be as up to date on the Muppets as I am the rest of pop culture. Okay, <laughs> uh, today we have a special edition of the podcast. My, um, We have a guest on who is a just a brilliant attorney and published author and also happens to be my boss, Mr. Lloyd Z Remick, who joins us for an interview, and then um, he gives us some pearls of wisdom about money and investments. Which, of course, I mean Ross and I already knew that we're, oh, yeah. we're financial gurus. But he also um, so casually name drops one of the Harlem Globetrotters, and then just like moves on like it was nothing. Yo, you should work for the like. It's just like okay, story, story, story. There's it's so much. It's great. Um, yeah, so we'll hear from him. He's going to give us investing advice, and then uh, on HTHT this week, Ross and I talk about. Uh, savings we don't go into things we're saving for things we're saving for uh we were going to talk about money but then i thought wow that would be too embarrassing so let's do that another yeah so we're going to wait until next week where we reveal uh, our current balances and our checking accounts guest joining us. He's an entertainment lawyer of over 50 years, a talent manager, a veteran, and a published author of the book Two Times Platinum. And he also happens to be my boss. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mr. Lloyd Z. Remick. Hello. Hi, happy to be here. Thanks for coming. Um, well, so we, uh, I'm your employee, and uh, Ross, please don't ask any questions about what I'm like as an employee. Uh, uh, I don't want, I can't hear that today. I'm not ready. Um, <laughs> Am I allowed to volunteer? <laughs> <laughs> you know, how about I give you my number and we can chat afterwards? <laughs> That's the safest. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, so we just thought it would be a fun thing to do today to have you on, hear your stories, and um, get your take on some current events. So... Tell us, can you tell us a little bit about your background as an entertainment lawyer? Sure, but considering I'm so old, it could take a half an hour just to tell you, so I'll try to do it quickly. Okay. Well, don't give any stories that are in the book, you know? Okay. 
So I uh, went to the University of Pennsylvania on an ROTC scholarship, then went to law school, went into the military as a young JAG officer, which is a lawyer in the Army, played tennis for the Army and taught and did military justice and thought life was like a dream <laughs> about three months. And then something happened in the world called the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm -hmm. That was about the 13 most terrifying days when there were supposedly 13, but really more nuclear missiles aimed at the United States. Mm. Meant that, in effect, for the rest of the couple of years that I was in the military and worked for the Department of Defense, mm -hmm. I never saw my tennis racket again. <laughs> if, if there is good that can come out of anything, the president of Ford became the Secretary of Defense, uh, Robert McNamara, and he mm -hmm. formed very, what I like to think, was a very elite small group of civil servants, military, some lawyers, and we ended up negotiating and procuring and doing contracts for the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marines, for all the things in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Which meant that at approximately your age, I was doing multi-multi-million dollar purchases for tanks, planes, uh, grappling hooks on battleships and air um, aircraft. Oh and so I came out of the military and then worked for DOD. And when I went back to practice law, I thought I would put all of this contract work together to do corporate and SEC. I like that you pointed out that you were my age negotiating billion dollar deals like, uh, all right, Hannah, get to work, get those deals in. <laughs> You see, Ross, how intuitive she is. She's got the picture of what I'm saying. I can't help her. <laughs> Work for me. So what really happened is you've all heard the saying, man plans and God laughs. I yeah. was going to do corporate SEC work and a young rock and roller came in to see me. Um, and, and I still smile when I think back about this because the young man had hair down to his shoulders, paisley shirt, big wide belt, bell bottoms. And you got to understand, I thought army shade green sunglasses and keeping my hands folded was what you did when you worked for DOD. <laughs> he was getting ripped off by a manager and I kind of helped him out. Uh -huh. And then led to another rock group and it led to another rock group. And then my hair started to grow a little bit longer <laughs> day. And I ended up representing what I call God-given talents, those who are in the creative arts or play a professional sport mm -hmm. or write a script or do a book or want to make a movie. Those people who have creative juices flowing through them, mm -hmm. but don't necessarily pay attention to the legal and the business ends. Right. And as you so well know, because I tell you this every day, <laughs> the 
business of music, the business of sports is just that. It's not just playing and creating, or if you're being a stand-up comic, there's more to it. There's the business end of it. And so my practice is an amalgam of steering and helping and guiding these creative talents through the legal and business end of it. That's a great answer. Also, Ross, just note, did you get what he described that gentleman was wearing? I know you're building up your fashion portfolio, the paisley yeah. top and the bell bottoms. You might want to get on that. I, um, I used to wear bell bottom jeans when I was in middle school, did not own a single pair of boots. So <laughs> it just got torn up with every single step in my school. <laughs> Oh man, that's so interesting. So um, I know about this, but for our listeners and um, well, Ross probably knows about this from from his time around and also from listening to me ramble. What do you <laughs> think is what do you think is the most important thing uh, that an entertainment lawyer? Well, I guess it's hard to pick just one, but what are some of the most important things that you think an entertainment lawyer does, like on a day to day basis? Obviously, we know that COVID's disrupted some plans, like you said. God, no, wait, what is it? Man plans. God laughs, but um, well, normally. I don't know that there's a normal, and that is the reality of why I still enjoy coming in every day. Mm-hmm. In a number of areas of life, in jobs and in law, doing the same thing every day, one can become jaded, especially mm-hmm. putting in a half a century. However, in my practice, as you well know, we never know what the day brings. Mm -hmm. One one morning, it can be a rapper arguing about the beats that he's selling. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fifteen minutes later, it's somebody who is an author who has been trying for 10 years to get his one great novel published, and it never happens. And then a few minutes later, a boxer can call up saying, "Um, I need to have a management contract worked out with my manager Mm -hmm. and or promoter. And then the next thing that can happen, it can be somebody who writes a song. And then you get into the publishing, the music, Mm -hmm. the end of it uh, that requires um, some consideration. So I don't know that there's any one area, but I think that in truth, there's a certain amount of commonality, Mm -hmm. almost a formula that you can work with that no matter what kind of creative field the client is in, some things become very ritualized which is okay so you're a creative guy how do you set up your business Mm -hmm. are you a self-proprietor are you an llc have you thought about a small corporation do you have investors do you have agreements Um, many times a musician will call me and say All I want to do is create music. I don't care about the business end. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess that's admirable, but I'm kind of 
turned off a little bit by that because mm -hmm. I want my clients to do what they love doing, but make a good living at it. Yeah. And that good living requires paying attention to the business and the legal side. I love this because we spent uh, a good amount of time, a segment talking about the difference, because I'm very fun and think of very creative segments, the difference between a corporation and LLC. So I'm thinking, man, we could, if people are really listening and taking notes, they're getting a lot of information here about, um, about business entities. Well, this is good. So, okay. So you have some of these similarities in the- Before you even say that, Hannah, there's a very simplistic way of thinking about a corporation or and or an LLC. Mm -hmm. um, forgetting the paperwork, a lot of God-given talented creatives think, oh, wow, that's very complicated. I'm not getting into it. Mm -hmm. So here, just picture this. Remember in the old days where there was always a castle and a moat? Mm -hmm. a the castle and a drawbridge. Well, the moat and the drawbridge are really the protector of the castle and the people inside. Mm -hmm. So if you think of an LLC or a corporation or having carefully drawn up partnership papers, mm -hmm. that's the moat or drawbridge around you as an individual. Mm -hmm. and be worked out and so we do that for well i'm saying we as a as a firm as your assistant um we do things like that for like you said boxers rappers and when it comes to you said you've been doing this it's weird when you say half a century i haven't thought about it in that regard but yes for 50 years what are some of the changes you've seen over the years in your work oh wow <laughs> So do you have 24 hours where I can do a stand-up? Uh, <laughs> I would watch that. But actually, in the early days, when I, um, as I had spoken about earlier, when I was starting to represent some young rock and roll groups and everything, mm -hmm. and I was very blessed to have uh, had, at that time, the young, great jazz legend Grover Washington Jr. by Oh, wow. Well, it is a wow, Ross, you're right. It was a great career, and we, we did okay together. I mean, we had a lot of number ones, a lot of platinum albums. It, it he represented good. Grover the whole time, his whole career. Yes. Well, and, when, I, when I was uh, in college, there was a giant uh, mural of Grover Washington Jr. across the street from my dorm building at Temple University. That is oh, yeah. I saw in a high school, or a junior high school. And, um, and yep. So there was this whole period of, it was almost like the wild, wild west mm -hmm. in a lot of regulation. And in the beginning days, you weren't an entertainment lawyer, you were like a music lawyer. Mm -hmm. And so the really heavy seeds were New York and LA. And so when I was starting this, and believe me, I was one of the very, very first pioneers in this crazy field of entertainment law, um, it, it turned out that everybody that was living in LA and New York who did it were giants and big. 
meaning I guess that they were six foot eight and weighed 300 pounds. <laughs> I could understand it. <laughs> so after a few times when I guess I held my own or whatever, I started to get uh, more and more recognition in this field. And the reality of it is, and this is a real story, I got a call one time from a guy in LA and he says, uh, Mr. Remick, and I said, yeah. He said, this is Meadowlark Lemon from the Harlem Globetrotter. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are both comedians and I'm thinking, yeah, right. Captain Marvel Shazam, Meadowlark Lemon is calling me. <laughs> thought it was just one of my guys who was a young comedian who used to impersonate people. And it really <laughs> met a lark. But what he said was very interesting. He said, I'll be coming east next month. I want to meet with you. I hear you're an entertainment and sports lawyer. That was the very first time, the very first time I heard the term. And then I started to think about it. And I've learned in life that when opportunities come up, mm -hmm. you seize them and you go for it. And I was thinking, okay, I'm not knocking anything that I'm about to say. There might be 15,000 personal injury lawyers in Philadelphia. <laughs> there might be 5,000 tax lawyers. There might be 20,000 corporate lawyers. But I don't know anybody that does this thing called entertainment and sports law. Now remember, this is 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, having graduated from Temple Law School, I went back and saw the dean and I said, I want to teach a course in entertainment and sports law. And bluntly, they didn't even know what it was. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't find a textbook. So I wrote a textbook. And I saw <laughs> Literally, I wrote a textbook, used at Temple, and I taught there as a professor for 32 years. And I also taught at Villanova Law School. Um, and I kind of understood that there was this niche practice. Mm -hmm. I developed it and I worked it. But in the beginning, it was like all music law. Now, fortunately, there was a lot of R&B music that was coming out of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. and, um, I was very fortunate because for over close to 40 years, I know it's not, it's uncanny. Uh, the great producer and songwriter, Bunny Sigler, mm -hmm. and wrote songs for the OJs and the Spinners, and Patti LaBelle and, every, and Teddy Pendergrass, everybody you can think of was a very close, one of my close, close, close friends and mm -hmm. client. And so we did a lot of music law. And then one day I was on tour with Grover and we were playing a pickup basketball game. And during the course of the game, we used to play really rough basketball. <laughs> Somebody elbowed him and I almost passed out because he split his lip. Now you don't, play saxophone with a split lip right so during that month when we canceled the tour and everything kind of like this epidemic we're in now where i've been sitting in a house for eight weeks um i began to realize the importance of what we learned at wharton school at penn diversification mm -hmm. and i thought hey i want to be more than just a music lawyer 
So I started to follow up in the world of um, the seedy world of boxing. And <laughs> I have for a number of years taken martial arts and was very much involved in it. And so I started to get more and more into boxing. And I loved, it was like the old army days of negotiating guns and tanks. <laughs> you negotiate in the boxing world without mentioning certain promoters. <laughs> it's, it's really wild. And I loved it. And I loved the give and take of it. And so I started to represent some Olympic boxers. And then I was very blessed to have represented any number of world champions in all kinds of weight divisions. And that spread to basketball players and baseball and then films and in the book world, uh, of which I like to think uh, I've experienced a lot now, having tried to put out my own great novel, which it's is great. very good. You should definitely read it. You're supposed to say it, but for those- <laughs> Well, for it's those, full of great stories. Well, for those listening, it's a crime novel about an entertainment lawyer who's had this wonderful life. And then one day this very, very sexy lady comes in and the lawyer is asked to negotiate a management and then a record contract with some really, really seedy people. Um, and if there is a mob, some of the mob. And one thing leads to another and the lady sells her body and soul mm -hmm. to be made a star. And in effect, they do make her a star, hence two times platinum. Because as you know, mm -hmm. the sale of a million albums is a platinum record. And this young, beautiful, sexy lady goes two times platinum, but gives away her body, her soul, and a lot more. And it ends up into a murder mystery. And, um, but having done that, I learned the empathy of writers mm -hmm. who are trying to get things out there. You know, there's nothing like doing it yourself. Um, and I'm going to segue for a second. Okay. And then I'm going to ask you a question. Go ahead. Okay. I want to segue because this is a great war story. Yes. You have many of those. Let's hear it. Um, okay. So Grover and I were very, very close. And I kept saying to Grover, we need more than just jazz. I want you to do a vocal. And of course, he refused to sing. So one day we were having this entire conversation. And we ended up, as many of you know, with the great song, Just the Two of Us, with the recently great great guy, Bill Withers, who just mm -hmm. came. And so we, I wanted Grover to tour. And he, didn't, he wasn't in the mood to be touring that summer. And I said, you have to. And he said, I'll do it on one condition. I said, you got it, figuring you needed a bigger tour bus or something. Mm -hmm. And he said, do I have your word? I said, you got my word. You name it, you got it. He said, fine, you have to come on tour. And I said, well, gee, man, you got to understand, I got to stay back and watch the management and the law practice. I can't go in a bus for two weeks. He said, you gave me your word. 
So I put away my three-piece suit and the bow ties that Hannah kids me about every day. <laughs> and I got some jeans and t-shirts. And I literally went on a bus tour, living on the bus for two weeks. And that was one of the best learning curves I have ever had about representing recording artists mm-hmm. and creative types because you learn stuff and here's where the funny part of it is i once had a client that got up at a big concert and it goes yo chicago the only thing was he or she or whoever it is trying to conceal it not grover wasn't in chicago (laughs) thinking that has to be the dumbest jackass performer of all time you don't know where you are so let me tell you getting on a tour bus and driving 400 miles mm-hmm. going to a sound check playing a concert then handling the green room of who can come in and who can't and all that kind of good stuff and then going out and jamming in a local club to the, in another state and doing that three or four or five days Trust me, mm-hmm. you will not know what day it is, nor what city you are in. And all you have to do is think to now, it's like, there's nothing that's new in history, only that which you have not seen before. That's a great quote, it's not mine. But think <laughs> about it, think about it in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, aren't there days you get up and you can't remember whether it's Friday or Thursday? Yes, almost all of them. (laughs) Right, exactly. They all blend. But what I learned on that tour were things that you learn the empathy of people who have to tour and go out, do bar gigs, and Mm -hmm. get a sit back and sell a few tickets like a lot of you comedians do just Mm -hmm. to survive. I guess that's why you go to law school. I don't know. (laughs) in In any event, When you do that, you learn a lot. And in like manner, when I was trying to find a publisher, I learned that the feeling that comes over you when you get a rejection letter. Mm -hmm. And if there is one word that you learn in the arts and in Mm -hmm. entertainment world, it's rejection. Mm -hmm. And you have to learn. There are a couple of keys it's focus, discipline, and, um, well, you know, like in our practice, we just don't take no. Nope. If, you get, if you get a rejection, all that means is, boy, they were stupid. Let me find a way to get over the mountain or around the mountain or under the mountain if you have to tunnel. But the name of the game is to get things done. Not easy to do, but you Not learn. at all. This is very good. Okay, so as we wind down, all of this is very interesting, and everyone who's listening better go out and buy Two Times Platinum. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Barnes and Noble. It's all over the place. It's very entertaining. Um, before we wrap up, so you are currently teaching me about the stock market, and um, you know, let's just say, pretend for a second that Ross and I don't already totally understand the stock market that we're not already experts just let's just 
suspend <laughs> suspend reality. Let me take for- off my green visor and yes. throw away all my golf pencils. So we've been, you and I have been talking about the stock market a lot, and I was wondering if for our listeners you could explain a little bit of the basics because people don't super duper understand. Again, not me. I totally understand everything about the stock market. Absolutely. I'm an expert. But um, when we've been talking about current events, I can't always explain what's going on with the stock market right now. And I was wondering if you could shed some, some of your wisdom for us that you've accumulated over the years. So with this proviso, I am not here as a financial advisor, and so I am really rendering the protect your backside lecture, which is I'm not giving you a legal opinion. I'm not giving <laughs> you opinion. However, Don't worry, this is a comedy podcast. People No, but no, um one of the most important aspects of forming a living and getting your life together. And if you listened to nothing else I am saying, listen to me for the next couple of minutes, mm-hmm. necessarily about the stock market, but finances in general. And it is a mistake that all young people make. When I lecture, one of the questions or when I was teaching, I would always veer off about teaching from this contract or a management contract or a production contract or publishing. Mm-hmm. And I would talk about finances and stuff. And some people would not, of course, most of them would take notes in case it was in the exam. Mm-hmm. But a few really bright people in the class would listen to what I have to say. And I would typically ask this question, how many of you want to work for money and everybody's hands shoots up and then I would look at them and then I would say well you really don't work for money if you're really really smart money should work for you Mm -hmm. and then I would explain the importance of the compounding of investments and if one has youth on their side which is what I assume most of the people listening to this have understand that if you take a little bit of money Mm -hmm. and you put it aside and invest it, that by the time you get close to retirement, Mm -hmm. you will have a lot of dollars And you can have a swimming pool and a big house and you can pay for your kids' education and all the good things. I'd probably just get the swimming pool. I don't know about Ross might do more, but I would just be focused on the swimming pool. I'll buy some kids. But about this time, everybody in the class would say, yeah, professor, sure, look at you. But right now I have student loans and I have this, Mm -hmm. that I couldn't save. 10 cents. And at about that time, I would say, and I have nothing against Starbucks, I'd say, you're sitting there with a cafe latte mocha joke boca. <laughs> My I, favorite drink. It's seasonal, though, so you can only get it sometimes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what they all I, sound like to well, me. <laughs> stand up comedy. But they would say $6. <gasps> and I'd say, 
And every time I see you, you come in with one of those damn things. And a guy looked at me and I said, I don't know what you do the rest of the week, but if you bought that just two times a week, let's say, I've seen some of you guys once in a while out chucking down beers left and right at night and assume that a beer is five dollars if you could do two left two less the whole week you'd have another 10. so now assume that you have only 20 little dollars a 20 dollar bill okay if you could save that 20 dollars times 50 weeks what would you have i'll do the math you'd have a thousand dollars okay now I don't know how much time we have, but I want to teach you all something. You should never get it. Forget okay. it. It's called the rule of 72. I know this because you taught it to me, but yes, this is perfect. This is a perfect way to end this segment. If Ross, you, do you know what this is? I actually, I do because I did take a financial planning class in college. But your problem is you don't save your 20 right now. You spend it on those That's two fair. and the two beers. But now having talked to me, I'm going to check back with you in a few months and find <laughs> you've done this. So now we know that we have $1,000 over the year that we have saved in a little kitty jar or a piggy bank, right? Mm -hmm. The rule of 72 says that if you know what percent you can earn on your money and you divide it into 72, it will double. Now, let me explain it clearly with numbers so you'll get a picture mm -hmm. let's for the sake of this discussion say that you could make seven percent a year not if you stick it in a bank because that's one or two percent but if you put it in the market and you had a good investment mm -hmm. or you had the invested and you made seven percent we're just using this as an mm -hmm. example seven into 72 i made it easy is how long, what do you get? Nine. Does, you scare me. It's 10 at least, ten. right? Wait, seven, seven into 72? It's at least 10, right? Okay. <laughs> what? Why? What's wrong with me? Yep, I'm it's 10.2. Okay, so I'm using this as an easy example <laughs> to show you. So what it means is your thousand, follow me, this is important. No, I, I know, I'm just embarrassed at my terrible math. <laughs> I was so confident. You just have to draft up contracts. You don't have to do math. <laughs> in my, in, let me just follow this example. Okay. Ten. So, 10. So that means every 10 years, your money would double. Mm -hmm. Now, follow me. And you okay. can follow me. If this were on a Zoom or on television, I would be sticking up my hands. Okay. So we know that every 10 years, it doubles. We're assuming you're 25 mm -hmm. and that you might retire at 65 or let's just say 75 to make this illustration simple. Okay. okay. So you have 10 years is 20 is 30 is 40 is 50. You have like five or six tens. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you had $1,000, Yep. And you didn't touch it. You put it away and it grew at 7%. Mm -hmm. Your 1,000 would be 2,000. Yep. Then the two would be four. The four mm -hmm. would be 
8. The 8 would be 16. The 16 would be 32. And the 32 would be, in the last turnover, 64. So you save $1,000 and never touch it again till you retire. That 1000 has grown into 64000 mm. Next year, you did it again. So it would be another approximate 64000 So you'd have 128000 in your kitty. You can't retire on that, but you do it the next year. Mm-hmm. Now you have 180000 And then, lo and behold, even cheap bosses say, and you can have a little raise. Oh, oh how nice. So instead <laughs> of saving 1000 you now save 2000 Oh. Take it out those six multiples and you'll see that's 124. So for five years or six years, if you put that money away, not a lot, and not unachievable just by knocking off a few beers and a few cafe lattes. You can have, by the time you retire, easily a million dollars. Okay. And Let's that'll buy it, a lot of beer and cafe mocha. <laughs> you can have as many lattes as you want. Now, um, it's likely that when you retire, I'll not be around anymore. Mm. But you send me up a smoke sk- scene, you'll be able. <laughs> And your kids will thank me because they won't have to take out college loans and everything. So um, let me sum that sentence up. Okay. Start early and save, no matter what you do. When you get a salary, which everyone will someday when you graduate, (laughs) um, the first thing you should take off the top besides taxes is a little bit of money and make believe you never got it. Stick it into... I'm not necessarily saying the stock market, but an investment that can yeah. give you a return. And you will be very thankful that you listen to this podcast. Um, this is amazing. So the stock market we know right now is down, but it does usually go back up at some point. So hopefully that's what, that was my hot financial take. Um, Last question for you. There was one more question I had. This is all very helpful. Ross, you're younger than me. Are you going to start saving? And you have a salary. Yeah, so um, uh, I, sure. I like saving. I, I'm a little bit frugal. I have a uh, an app that kind of helps me manage my finances. And just I just moved, so my finances are a little above normal with purchasing furniture. But uh, I try to keep it pretty tight and not That's just good. spend because I want to spend. That's very good. So we talked about the rule of 72. Let me ask you, what do you think, if someone wanted to make an investment right now and, you know, with COVID and everything, things are kind of crazy, but if someone wanted to invest in the stock market right now, what would you say is the minimum amount they need? Well, the difficulty is, uh, first of all, I think there is no minimum that is needed. Because if you can find a broker or somebody or a fund, you can invest in a fund. And if you just keep investing, they call it dollar cost averaging, which Mm -hmm. I haven't explained yet to you in the office. (laughs) Okay. But basically what it means is you invest the same little amount each month. And what does that do? 
if the month is good, you buy more stock. If the month is bad, because the prices went down or went up, the price varies. So by putting in the same dollar amount each month, you buy less or more and you keep doing it oh. year after year. And theoretically, it all averages out the good, the bad, the indifferent. Well, perfect. If you'd like to invest stock in the Keep You Posted podcast, we are <laughs> going public. We will give you our Venmos. I mean, uh, I mean, what? Code. We have a PayPal. What? Who said that? Okay. Uh, Mr. Remick, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. I hope that you had fun and we certainly appreciate your knowledge and experience. And if anyone is listening to this podcast and thinks, you know what? I need an entertainment contract read. Now that you've listened to this legally, you have to come to our office. That's how how the law works. (laughs) All right. Thank you. My pleasure. I promise I'll cut that other part out. Don't worry. Yeah, no, I just, you know, it's just. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Um, Where it came from. It came from that other client. It's because, yeah, it's because you told the story to someone and I was like, oh, I thought this would be funny. But yeah, no, that's fair. Okay. It was okay. great. I enjoyed it. Thanks. Have great. a Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. Thank- I'll see you tomorrow. Yes, right. And now for today's edition of HTHT Hannah, Hannah Traps Hot, Hot Takes. takes. Featuring Ross. <laughs> Yes, and Ross is why hot. Take. I feel I feel like I sometimes have hotter takes than you. You really do, especially when it comes to pop culture references. I don't understand. Um, no. Well, we just had this great lesson on investments and entertainment law, and you know, once Ross and I make our millions in comedy, we'll probably be back talking about you know how, com- how naive we were back then. Oh, how naive! Oh, baby, we were so oh, naive. They wanted to save up to buy a hydro flask. How gauche! <laughs> what's a wait? What's a hydro flask? It's like a nice water bottle. Check oh. Instagram. Oh my god, Instagram is targeting me pretty much exclusively leggings right now, and I am <laughs> here for it. I I'm am getting, queen I'm of getting targeted on Instagram for like uh, really intense gym bro. Uh, calorie plans like a lot of pictures where it's like nutella is 200 calories but flaxseed butter has only five calories or stuff like that yeah and flaxseed butter and nutella are basically the same um as much as i want to talk about money and investments i'm we can save that for another edition but uh you had mentioned while we were recording with mr remick that you you save up money in an app i use one of those apps too and i'm saving i'm currently you can like set rules for it mm-hmm. and like, like it, like, oh, it'll like slap you in the face if you try to buy something. <laughs> you say if you try to buy something? <laughs> yeah. They're like, you're trying to buy oranges at Target. Psh. <laughs> oh, I love that. I honestly, that would probably have what? helped me through my early 20s if someone slapped which, me in the face every time I tried to buy something use? dumb. Um, Capital, but I'm not sponsored by them and I. Oh, we're not, not sponsored by anybody. I use Clarity. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, they're all to me like similar. Uh, so I use it. Do you have anything in particular you're saving for? So not currently. So um, I, I was actually thinking about it the other day that because uh, of the quarantine, like things might get cheaper for a little while. Like we talk mm. a lot about 
um, how housing has gotten out of hand. But I wonder what we'll see in a couple months or years with about that property too. prices. So like, I'm I'm in a lovely two bedroom apartment right now. Like, what if I bought a two bedroom apartment and made it into a home? But uh, I was saving for a while because I thought because uh, I just moved. I wanted to sublet my apartment so I can move early. And I thought, mm-hmm. okay, during the quarantine, I might not be able to find a subletter and I might just be out a couple grand. So I started taking chunks out of my paycheck. And luckily I found a subletter, but now I just have this extra money that I can either put towards my rainy day fund or mm-hmm. maybe um, I'll buy... I don't know. I'll buy a, a cool hat. You'll or make like, an investment. Or or I'll buy a sous vide machine, which I want but don't need. What is that? Um, it's like you. It's a stick that you put in a thing of water, and it circulates water at a constant temperature, so you can make like steak, and it's like perfect medium rare. It's cool, oh. and I don't need it, but I. It seems fun. I thought you were saying. I didn't know what the machine was. And for some reason, I had in my head that it was a workout machine. Uh, I don't know no, why. That doesn't sound like a thing I would spend money I on. I was like, I want a Peloton. Um, I'm not saving for a Peloton. I'm saving for my Caribbean vacation, which I don't know if we've talked oh, about this yet. But I idea. have been wanting to go to the Caribbean for the last four years. I'm not even a big beach person. Like, this just... That's th- a I mean, I like, the, I like the beach, but I'm. this isn't like... I'm not like, oh, I got to get to the beach every year. I got to make sure I get to the sand and the ocean. I just like a big blot of sunscreen just on your nose. (laughs) I mean, I do, but not related to the beach. Um, (laughs) No, but like a couple years ago, I got in my head that I really wanted to go to the Caribbean. And then it's like, if you guys know anything about me, you know, I like have a hard time giving up on goals and ideas. Uh, So yeah, it's just been stuck in my head. And then like my ex-boyfriend and I almost went and then that fell through because he um is your ex yeah well (laughs) that was the one who lied about going to belgium so i was like well he's got his handful with his fake he has his hands full with his fake trips (laughs) you you waffle you waffle liar uh that's a good idea though i i think i I always forget about travel because i think like i don't need to go places yeah but i like i was actually talking about it the other day i would love to go to like Toronto or Austin, uh, Seattle, maybe. Domestic travel is what's up. I've done a bunch of that. That's really all I've done in the last couple of years. I, I, the last time I traveled internationally was 2014 and, um, yeah, I've gotten to go places for comedy and then I've visited friends places, but I'm at the age, a lot of my friends are getting married. And so most of the travel I've done for the last couple of years, like I've gotten to see friends, but it's usually been for someone's wedding or something. So I Mm. said to my friends for my 30th birthday, which we all know is March 3rd, because you have a, a birthday on March 3rd. Hi, but, it'll be my 25th birthday. Okay, that's cute. Um, yeah, yeah, for that's my, voice. my 30th birthday, baby. Um, hopefully I'll be in the Caribbean. But in the meantime, I'm going to start studying up on investing. I used to be so bad with money, but we can talk about, we'll talk, we'll do a money segment another time where I tell my stories about what an idiot I was uh, when excited. I was your age. You're over here talking about like, maybe I'll save to buy property. And I was I mean, like, I, I... When you were my age, we're not that much older from each other. No, but, it, but what's embarrassing is that I wish I, <laughs> I'm older enough than you that I already went through my bad money phase when I was your age is what I'm trying to say. Ooh, I'm excited to go through mine then. No, I hope you don't. I hope you've circumvented it by me, by, by learning early. Not bad purchase idiot. number one. I saw nutritional yeast in the store. I don't know what it is, but I want it. 
Um, yeast? No, nutritional yeast. It's like powder that you put on stuff and it apparently tastes cheesy and salty. Ew. Okay, fine. Wait, what? Yeast? Like... No, it's it's not yeast. It's nutritional yeast, which is, I think it's like a vegan, like a vegan staple and filler. Like, oh, I don't know about this. Thing. Well, I'll buy it and I'll give a full review. That'll be a segment in a few <laughs> weeks. Ross's a few years? Nu- yeah. It, uh, Ross's nutritional yeast corner. Wow. Have we really gotten to that? No, I'm just kidding. I actually love that idea, Ross. You should review food for us. Uh, guys, hit us up in the comments if you want to hear Ross review random obscure items from the grocery store because I am, the more I talk about it, loving it. Um, let's wrap this up. This has been quite an episode. We've heard from uh, a legend in the Philadelphia legal community and we've also- And two legends in the <laughs> Philadelphia comedy community. <laughs> two great, two of the greatest <laughs> comedians that have ever graced the Philadelphia stages. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and um, thank you to everyone out there who is fighting COVID on the front lines. This is really crazy. Ross, I'm so glad we get to do our podcast on the Zoom and um, thanks for listening. Bye. This has been Keep You Posted, hosted and executive produced by Hannah Trav. Produced and edited by me, Ross Wiseman. Our art and logo is by Kristen Finger, and our music by Graham Trav. For a list of our sources from the episode, bonus content, and to get in touch with us, visit us at www.keepyoupostedpod.com. <laughs>